Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show. KHCS 1220 and 98.1 FM in Los Angeles. Unlike last week where I was where, Patrick? Las Vegas. And not just Las Vegas, but the airport in Las Vegas. Beep, 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 beep. Truck number 16. Move, move, move. (laughs) Ask Brian. Beep, beep, beep. We heard all of that, too, by the way. like The loading zone is open. Completely unnecessary, too. But yes, we well, did hear it all. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that everybody remembered. And yeah, yeah, we remember. We had to bring that Vegas flavor back. So, without any further ado, A D I E U, the engineer that begins with an E, who occasionally gets enthusiasm, and sometimes, sometimes, it happens once every six or seven years, I can empathize with his. Lack of skills. Well, I guess that's not really empathizing. Oh my! It's reality. That's terrible! <laughs> Lack of skills! Last, last time I was here, he needed an assistant. No, last time you were in Vegas. <laughs> I don't know the last time about. I was here. Oh, last time I was here. Uh, hmm. Is that because somebody had to take the water from the uh, fountain to you? No. <laughs> what do you need an assistant? I was, tra- <laughs> I was training someone. I thought AI is going to take over for you. No, that was definitely not an AI. I have to talk to them, see what we can do about AI. Oh my goodness. That starts with an A, by the way. Well, it's part of a do. True. A-D-I-E-U. Got a point. All right. So, Mr. Engineer. Mm-hmm. Okay. The name of the show is Ask Brian. Mm-hmm. The key phrase every week is, why do we have an E in Brian? And we know that sometimes it's the engineer. Once in the blue moon, I might empathize with you. And sometimes I get enthusiastic. I'm not very enthusiastic right now. I am very dull. Okay. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say anything, but I mean. <laughs> well, let's not forget about our, our co-host. Tracy. Tracy, now can you yodel? No, I cannot yodel. It's not relevant. It is one I of the key requirements for the show. No, it's not. And I don't even know why you, you, we have one of the most fabulous guests today and you are just torturing me trying to (laughs) talk about yodeling as opposed to our fabulous guests that we have. So can we just get to it? Well, we have to, we have to find out what the E's are. And Yodel had an E. Oh my goodness. No, it, well, okay, but it doesn't start with an E. True. Well, Tracy, I mean, I could just go, I can go through this really fast if well, he's drawing it out, but I can go fast with it. No, you can explain to people what, it's, what it is. Well, he took away three of them, folks, but the other ones are kind of like a theme of like the Ask Brian show. Experts is one of them because everybody's an expert in their field here on Ask Brian. We bring in the experts. Hey, oh, outside of that, we have experience because everybody's very experienced in their field as well. Uh, he took away empathy. He had not, he wasn't very uh, enthusiastic, but he did, he does bring the excitement from time to time. Isn't that right? Excitement! That, that, that does it. Yeah, and I bring the expertise. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> expertise, yeah. Expertise is what? <laughs> Elmer <Elmiford> expertise. <laughs> 
Which also begins with an E. Ilmu. Doesn't sound like that. He goes. So does everything, capital E, by the way, to you. Elmer Flo doesn't even sound like that. He's like, I'm hunting wabbits. Uh. All right. <laughs> Be that way, Tracy, that way. we have a very good guest here. Why are you laughing and, promote, and, and extending this? Because <laughs> the engineer is extraordinary. Hey, let's go. <laughs> Aw. Thanks, well, listen, even the... Even though you haven't introduced me yet, I have input. And my input is I went to goat yoga two Sundays ago in Marine Park in Santa Monica, and the little goats did speak. <gasps> So what, what do they say? What do they say? I do excellent animal sounds. I'm like one of the best. Well, give us, give us your best shot before we start the show. Okay. Here, well, here's the goat. Um, here's a cow. And here's a pig. Okay. Old McDonald's had a fop. Hey, 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 And honest for me, that's the craziest. Sh- this is, okay, this is the craziest show we've ever done, and it hasn't even started yet. I don't even know what to say. Trace, anytime you and I are on the show, there's always craziness. All right, so, Judith. Yes. Let's get serious. I am. Let's make it. So, you have. <laughs> you actually, and you're, you actually did it for us, right? You mediate. So we were having discussion. Tracy was going in one direction. I was going in one direction. The engineer was going in one direction. What did you do? You came in and you mediated. You tried. That's right. I came in. I neutralized the situation so that there was forward movement, just what a mediator does. Exactly. And that's why we have you on the show, because Tracy and I need a mediator. This is our couple counseling (laughs) for radio show. When I said that you were coming on and that you were an amicable divorce expert, he asked me if we were getting divorced. I was like, no, we're not getting divorced. We're not even married. Tracy, he asked me the same thing. He said it before you got on. He's already been talking. He's already been talking about you. Well, just Mm -hmm. to let you know, people, uh, and this is serious, and the engineer is going to going to be involved in this conversation. <laughs> Who did I get a text message from? Somebody I thought know. I was Not Paul, Br- Paul Bronstein married to Sharon Stone. And that's oh, wow. Is that correct, Mr. Engineer? I, I actually have proof of that. He actually showed me. This is, this is, this is true. That happened right before the show. It so, did. It really did. Uh, I'll call Sharon and we'll talk. Anyway, as a mediator... Well, I, I think she just wants to mediate that if you do. <laughs> <laughs> There's no question. There's no question. On my own podcast, The Amicable Divorce Expert, at the last Wednesday of every month, we do our celebrity divorce series. So I take a famous divorce last month with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, and I look at the aspects of their case. Custody was the big issue. And then we teach people about these aspects of divorce law through the prism of these celebrities that people are reading about and looking at in the news. And it's a lot of fun. People like that. Well, they probably had a lot of business stuff going on with their divorce, too, didn't they? No, theirs was easy squeezy. There was no financial settlement. They each have their own money. It was all about custody. Well, yeah. We're going to spend about two minutes on the celebrity issue, but then I want to go into other parts of business. So, 
in a celebrity divorce, okay, Jennifer Lopez or, or, or anything along those lines, or Demi Moore and Aston Kutcher, when people are getting divorced like that, how does that work? Where does that stand? So if Demi Moore did, you know, Seeing uh, Animals Fire and Aston Kutcher did the 70s show, whatever, are those part of the divorce estate? Not if there's a prenup. So all of the people that you just mentioned, you know darn well, they have probably had a very tight prenup, and there will be no exchange of any assets whatsoever in most celebrity divorces. But they married the only for celebrity, love. Pardon me? They married for love. They didn't need prenuptials. All right, go ahead. Well, you know, we all marry for love, but we keep our money separate. And it really becomes Amen, about the sister. kids at the end of the Yeah, no, it's, it's, truly. The only divorces, I'm trying to think. Okay, so Camille Grammer and Kelsey Grammer, I remember their divorce. They had no prenup. She walked away with $50 million. That's pretty good, although he had quite a bit more, I'm sure. Um, well, he keeps working, so he definitely has more. They had no prenup. They divided everything equally. What about so the royalties? Nice. How does that work? It's all in the prenup. Nobody no, right, divides but, anything. Right, but in, in the case of he he owned the show or had the TV show Frasier, he was still. Getting oh, that's money. right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, so you are referring to Kelsey Grammer. Well, okay. Since I don't know all the aspects of that settlement, I would then say yes. All the intellectual property is up for division. Anything that was done from date of marriage to date of separation, any ideas that were generated, it's all up for community property division. So I guess she did. I, you know, unless part of the deal was that he said, look, I'll split all the hard assets with you. I mean, because I was at their property in Malibu when the girl who played the producer on uh, when Kelsey Grammer had the TV show and he was the therapist on the air, uh, Gilpin, mm. I can't remember the girl's name that played his producer. She got married at the Malibu Estate. I produced all the music for that. So they had some heavy-duty real estate assets, not only in L.A., but in Hawaii. And that's right. Camille got one of the Hawaii estates. Camille did very well. So let, let's go to the traditional situation, which is most of our listeners are not celebrities other than our engineer. And so... Um, and me... I, I forgot you were a celebrity in your own, in your own mind. Everybody's so, a celebrity in their own right. I'm a celebrity in my mirror. Every time I look in the mirror, that guy's a celebrity. But <laughs> back to reality. So typical it's person. It's my reality. <laughs> it is. Reality is what you make you are, of it. Is what you make of it. That's right. So let's say, let's say start out the year 2000 and get married. But in 1990... You opened up a, uh, uh, a garage shop, and you started it out with your own money. You were earning money in college. You put it down. You started this little business. Now it's the year 2000. Okay? Now you get married, and at the time you get married, you're producing $100,000 just for easy numbers, $100,000 of revenue. Now it's 2020. COVID hits. You say, you know, it was really great, but, you know, I can't live at home with my wife, or I can't live at home with that that guy anymore. Thank God COVID told me I need to get out. Now the business is generating $2 million in revenue. And let's use the same number as, as an income, just to make it easy so people can understand. They get divorced and they didn't have a prenuptial. What happens to that property? It becomes complicated. Let's just start with that. So the first thing you said was really important. The business started before the marriage. So therefore, the wife, I'm assuming the husband started the business and, and then, so there's the wife. 
So the wife didn't do anything to start the business, but there's all these other caveats that you have to consider. Did the wife work in the business at all? Did she play any part in that business? A lot of times men like to bring their wives in just to kind of work maybe in the financial department to oversee things, to protect their interests. Or did the wife just say, honey, free reign, run the business, I'll stay home, I'll raise the kids, allowing him to invest in his career. So there's all these different things that you have to look at when you're talking about dividing a business, and you have to bring in a forensic accountant to do it. A lawyer doesn't do it. I don't do it. You have to bring in a forensic accountant because not all businesses are evaluated the same way. There's different formulas for different businesses. But here's something really important when you're looking at dividing the asset value of a business versus not. So if you're dividing the asset value of a business, then yes, you're going to spend some money deciding what that community property portion is. Was the biz- Did the business become a partnership as it grew? Well, then only half the business is up for division, right? Because the partner has the other half. The other thing you have to look at is the spousal support and child support, if there's children, will be based on the business owner's salary. And what if, and this happens a lot of times, what if the division of the business causes the business owner to close the business? That's another consideration. So then you have to weigh, as the wife, okay, do I want that to happen? Now he doesn't have an income. Or do I want to maybe modify that settlement if I'm entitled to any community property and really rely on the monthly child and spousal support? So there's a lot to weigh when you're dealing with a business. The harder businesses are the small businesses, the family-owned businesses, and there are so many of those in every city. In a small family-owned business, here's what's crippling. A lot of times, personal bills will be paid out of the family business, which is really a no-no. You're supposed to pay yourself, the business owner, a salary, and out of your salary, you pay personal bills. But if you don't do it that way and you have an accountant that plays around with numbers, now it's time to get divorced. And you have to go on the tax returns, which may be zeroed out. It may show very little income. And the wife says, well, wait a minute. Come on. You know it makes more money. Uh Uh-uh. Don't say those words anymore. You have to live by your tax returns. It's tough. It's the hardest thing of all. What about circumstances, again, with that family situation where, you know, maybe it's been around for many years and maybe the business is worth two, three, four million dollars and one spouse that is getting divorced, they're in a situation where they have to do a forced sale. I mean, that's obviously going to lower the valuation. Is that correct? Why would they do a forced sale? So the business is worth seven million dollars and one of the spouse wants to take, you know, three and a half million dollars out of it. And they already got two or three million dollars in loans out because they they need that money for operation. And so, therefore, if they take out the three and a half, it's going to be upside down. Okay, so I'm going to give you a very current example happening in Los Angeles, in Los Angeles right now. Tom Girardi of Girardi Keys Law Firm and Erica Jane. Are you familiar with this divorce? I'm very familiar with the situation with the bar and the circumstances. Yes. Well, that was a partnership. Tom. Obviously, malfeasance with money, all the lawyers left penniless. The partner left penniless. Erica gets nothing because there was malfeasance. Does that kind of answer, does that kind of address the question you ask? 
Well, correct, except in that case, there was nothing left. In this case, there is some equity there. And so if you had a business and it's worth, again, $7 million, and you got $2 million of liens, okay, so technically five, right? And now one of the spouses says, well, I want $3.5 million. You're going to come back as a mediator and say, what, take $1 million, take $2 million? What do you think you would do? Oh, uh, no, there's a forensic accountant. In a situation like this, you can't get around having a forensic accountant really do the numbers and really look at what's available. And then you can start talking about what the division of community property would be. You know, I'm going to give you a parallel situation. So let's just say there are 401Ks. And the spouse that owns the 401k borrows against it. Maybe the other spouse knows it was for the home or or they don't know. Now it's time to get divorced. You look at the full value of the 401k, even though the spouse who owned it borrowed against it, part of what he borrowed still goes back to the other spouse as part of her equity division, and he has to figure out how to get it to her. Wow. Maybe he maybe he gives her all of his portion just to make up for part of the loan he took out. I think Tracy's going to talk about prenups and and have questions about that. So Tracy, without further ado, Tracy. Thank you, thank you so much. So Judith, one of the things that we were talking about on the break was that we see this a lot with celebrity divorces, but for ordinary people, when is a prenup necessary? And is that something that, I mean, if you're just, if you're a small business owner, do you need a prenup? If you've had the business for a while prior to the marriage, yes, absolutely, if you want to protect that. You know, prenups are the hardest things to deal with because you're in love. So this is an emotional relationship you have. But then when you begin the idea of getting married, and certainly if you're a savvy business person and you have a lot of assets, you're going to want a prenup. So I can't write prenups, only attorneys can, but I mediate prenups. So people come to me and we talk about what's on the table that may be up for division and what is not on the table. It is a very sensitive and difficult conversation to have because it could destroy the moment. I think you can come in and love, and then I start asking questions. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? We haven't discussed this. And all of a sudden, it's all about money, which is what divorce is. It's all about money. So in the mediation for the terms of the prenup, and, and by the way, you hand those over to attorneys to write up, that in the mediation for the terms of the prenup, it can get a little tad. So if somebody has a hit show, has a business, and says, I really don't want to divide it, the business is going to be the money upon which I'm going to sustain us or in part sustain us, but if for some reason we have to part company, I don't want this to be part of the divorce settlement. And if both people sign off on it, it won't be part of the divorce settlement. And I think, would you agree that people almost always think that prenups should be more for, like, celebrities and things like that? But, I mean, it's almost like I feel like you have the difficult conversation when everything is happy because then it avoids having to have the difficult conversation when everybody's unhappy. So I've always thought that prenups shouldn't be necessarily thought of as just something for people in super high income brackets because you never know when you're – you may be a startup, but your business may take off and be worth multi-millions of dollars, but you might have married a dud. No, you're absolutely right. But I've done a lot of prenuptial mediations with just 
regular people like us who happen to have a lot of assets. Either one person has a lot or both people have a lot. And they want to protect everything that they worked hard for up to the marriage. But here's the other question that I always ask. Okay, you're all very clear now about what you don't want to divide. But once you get married, you start creating more assets. Let's talk about what you will be creating that you will end up dividing. You're going to buy more homes. You're going to have other investments. And so that's the other side of the coin when you're dealing with prenups. A, what don't you want to divide? Everything that you've worked for up to this point. Now, what are you going to be creating? And that's what people don't think about. Does that make gotcha. sense? Okay. Oh, it absolutely does. And here's a, something I think that a lot of business owners don't think about either, is how will a, a high-profile or low-profile divorce affect the brand of your business? Because if you're, if you're a mom-and-pop shop, people know of you as a mom-and-pop shop. Or if you're a high-level celebrity like a Amazon, Jeff Bezos, you know, and everything in between, the fact that you're going through a divorce, especially if there's some level of scandal and involved in it, then you're really putting your business at risk from a branding perspective. Do you have any insights okay, on that? Yeah, yeah, no, you, you totally nailed that, Tracy. So when I did the Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates divorce, I did it in one podcast because they're both from Seattle and they were the one and two richest people in the world are about that. And they had very <laughs> different divorces. They really did. When Jeff Bezos announced his divorce and he was the first out of those two, my understanding, this is hearsay, but my understanding from other people who are more familiar with the legal aspect of that was the branding was of a concern to Amazon, and so Bezos stepped off the board so that the divorce, if it got messy, which it really didn't get messy, if it got messy, then he would no longer be part of it. The reason why his didn't get messy, again, my understanding, he had exceptional PR people who just squashed the girlfriend that Jeff Bezos had, (laughs) they squashed that really fast. She only popped up after the divorce was final. But they had so much money to go around. What did Mackenzie get? $6 billion in the divorce settlement? Who cares about Amazon, you know, from her perspective and and, and her community property? I mean, $6 billion is enough to carry you by, right? A little different with Bill Gates and Melinda Gates. So Bill was no longer part of uh, Microsoft. I mean, he was certainly a huge shareholder, but he was no longer functioning within the company. He did have, and they still do have, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. I really don't know how that's been affected. It wasn't as nice a divorce as Bezos, and Melinda gave a lot of interviews, and she had a lot to say. (laughs) But um, (laughs) didn't she? Yeah, so... They're supposedly going to keep working together with the foundation, but I don't know if they're going to be appearing together on stage as much anymore. Remains to be seen. Uh, so on the I would imagine probably not. Question on the but listen, uh, I still ordered from Amazon. Ever since I did that podcast, I still ordered from Amazon. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think we all do, but I do think there, I think this goes to a bigger point, which is it's really also about how the two adults conduct themselves within the context in the, of the divorce. Because I, I don't know any of these people we're talking about clearly, but I do think that she was, that Mackenzie was lovely in the way that she kept the low profiles 
there wasn't anything disparaging that was said. She donated a tremendous amount of the monies that were that came to her as a result of the divorce to charity and continued to do so. So I think from a branding perspective, if you're looking at the overall business, she didn't do anything. And it appears as if that she probably could have been disparaging based on some of the circumstances that came out afterwards. But she really didn't. She didn't go in that vengeful route, right? And so I think from a branding perspective, it's like people make conscious choices how they're going to show up in in a divorce, in a a business relationship, in a personal relationship. So that's such an important part. And I think what you do in terms of, like, what are some of the criteria that you have for mediating an amicable divorce? Like, what are some of the things that you recommend if there's somebody who's a business owner right now who's thinking about maybe how a divorce could impact their business? What are some of the tips that you would give? The very first tip is go through the emotional divorce before you file for the legal divorce. It is so very important to go through the grieving stages of divorce because that will mitigate any of the untoward behavior and asks that will probably not be satisfied. You know, people just go nuts and ask for things. If you can go through the grieving stage first and then start the legal divorce, that would be wonderful. And then you absolutely have to learn the law. You do have to talk to attorneys. Reality is what it is. And once you understand the law, then you can either decide, okay, well, if we just go according to the law, this should work out for both of us. Or you can decide to do something that's unique to your settlement. So when I see people going outside of the law and maybe organizing an unequal settlement, I never ask why. It doesn't matter why. As long as they know why and they're both agreeing to it, the backdrop to the negotiations in mediation is the reason for the divorce and how the marriage was handled. That is always the elephant in the room, so to speak. And I do know that. And they don't always want to talk about that. And lawyers, too, need to go with the flow of whatever their clients want. But being realistic, too, you know, you can ask for what you want, but every state has their own laws. And it's going to come down to that. You're not going to get around the law if both parties are not in agreement to bend the law the way they think is right for them. And then communication. Go ahead, and and then I'll finish with communication. No, I want you to finish with communication because that's what I was actually going to bring up is is it feels like communication, no matter what, is one of the most critical pieces of keeping things amicable and above board, right? A hundred percent. So it's what you say and the tone of voice you use that will make or break a settlement. You have to understand that nobody's a criminal because they're getting divorced, unless you actually are a criminal, but that's a whole different discussion. <laughs> That's a whole other episode. Yeah, yeah, that's another that's another interview. But you know, if it's just the garden variety, either we fell out of love or somebody started having other relationships, something like that. Okay, so the marriage is over. Well, you know, this is part of your journey. Life isn't perfect, and the only way I could ever justify life is by saying everything that happens to me is to make me a better person and to develop me on on planet Earth. So when you're getting divorced, you have to just, first of all, say that. You know, what am I to learn from this and how is this going to advance me? And then when you sit down to communicate, you just have to stop blaming each other and just talk about what you have to deal with. 
it worked fine with, with the assets and debt, and then it gets a little bit more emotional when there are minor children. And any mediator's job is to calm everybody down one step at a time. This will eventually work out. And that's how you get through mediation. Well, in terms of communications, one issue that we haven't touched on but I think is very important is the whole idea of the internal communications of how you're going to talk to your the employees at your business. So we talked about the external brand, right, and how that's going to affect the PR. But what we didn't talk about is how it affects your team members because especially with a co-partnership and a husband and wife um, with they're both working in the business, it feels like it could be really easy for people to pick, you know, team mom or team dad and take sides or have this whole disintegration of communication in, internally when a partnership's about to split up in a divorce. How do you recommend people handle that? You are only the second person who's ever brought that up, and it's so key, I cannot tell you. The first person I talked to this talked about this with is somebody who had a business podcast, and he actually was an employee at one time in a business which was co-owned by husband and wife, and they were getting divorced. The business suffered tremendously for a number of different reasons. First of all, you know when you're getting divorced and you have friends who are couples, each person in that couple feels they have to take a side. So employees are put in that position, too. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to talk to both people. They don't even know how to give their condolences. It is the most awkward situation ever. So if you are the two co-owners in a business, you must sit down with your employees, and you have to take the first step to make them feel comfortable, to tell them you are not going to talk about the divorce, you're not going to make them part of the divorce, and at any point in time, if the employees feel that the tension between the couple is affecting the relationship between the co-owners and the employees, you have to call a meeting. Judith, a couple of people have called in and they wanted to get your information. So how would people reach you? You can reach me through my website. Uh, the name of my business is Divorce Resource Inc. So DivorceResourceInc.com. Business number is 310-441-7555, 310-441-7555. And then I have my own podcast, TheAmicableDivorceExpert.com, TheAmicableDivorceExpert.com. And in both of these websites, there are the email addresses connected. And when is that show podcast on? I upload every Wednesday. So anyone who wants to get more information or listen to Judith a little more, you can do that. Now, uh, Thank you. No problem. You've been a wonderful guest. Uh, so here's the question. Who hires you most? And we only have about 50 seconds left. Who hires you most? Is it attorneys? Is it celebrities? Is it, uh, you know, where do you get most of your clients? Well, the business is, has been alive since the 90s. So there's, all, there's repeat business from people who continue to get divorced who I have divorced in <laughs> formerly. <laughs> so I love That's that. <laughs> it's very odd. It's a very odd business to be in. I also get referred by attorneys because I have my own practice. I don't have an attorney in this office. I get referred by attorneys, by therapists, by people I've already gotten divorced, and then, you know, people just find me online. 
Well, thank you very much. Great show. We're back next week. KHS Troll 20, 98.1 FM. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Judith. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian Radio Show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.